What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Shapan, coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. I'm trying to stay cool uh, in the valley. It was in the 90s, and I just got back from Vegas where it was like 110 uh, watching the Clippers Summer League. So it's it's been a very hot week. Uh, and really not much Clippers news. Uh, we'll talk about the little that, that there was. But um, just lots of, of really bad basketball in Las Vegas. Yeah, it was bad. I saw the last few games. Um, you were there for the Terrence Mann game, which we'll talk about a bit, which was probably the highlight of Summer League uh, for any Clipper fan. But uh, Summer League chat will come probably to bookend this podcast because we have Clipper Steve. Um, as you guys all know, Seafair and Eclipse Nation fame. Had him a bit ago with the idea of maybe bringing him back if we got Kawhi Leonard after we were all kind of enjoying Kawhi Leonard's misery uh, in the first two games against the Milwaukee Bucks, hoping that he could maybe think about coming to the Clippers. Turns out he came to the Clippers. What's up, Steve? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm hanging out by the pool in Long Beach. It's cooler here, by the way. <laughs> now that sounds very nice. Steve, first off, Whoa. we we have a tradition that we've been doing. Unfortunately, we will we will bring you into this tradition as well, where we ask everyone after we got Kawhi, what to do, baby? What what it do, baby? What it, what it <laughs> what it do, I'm, baby? I'm not sure that that's grammatically correct. It's I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pull out my grammar book. Um, <laughs> it, it does exactly what it always did. It it doesn't do anything different than before it don't do is that what you're no. saying it, it does it does it, it's, it doing. Does. it's doing it doesn't, um, it doesn't not do it don't it don't not it don't but, not it yeah. don't not that's pretty uh not. it's pretty um shakespearean steve yeah. yeah yeah steve where were you when you heard the Kauai news uh i had been out to dinner and i had given up on so a little background my I, I have a, a new girlfriend slash fiance and she has an 18 year old and his 18 year old boys in the greater Los Angeles area are want to do when they were not actually raised by me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's this massive Lakers fan. And so yeah. he was sending me every single tweet that said, Kawhi, you know, all the, all the fake stuff, right? Kawhi's, Kawhi's a Laker, Kawhi's a Laker. And I'm like, look, until Woj says it, Stop sending me these things. <laughs> this is not real. I don't know who that person you follow on Instagram is. They don't know anything. So stop doing that. So I stopped paying attention after three or four days. Uh, and I was driving home from dinner. And I got a, friend, I got a, a text from an old friend that, um, that said, hey, are you excited? Uh, and I was like, okay, I know what this means. But I didn't know it meant Paul George also, right? So um, so I, as soon as I got home, I, I got out the Chromebook and started getting up to speed and, you know, just like was blown away because I knew all the stuff about the Lakers was just the Lakers fear, you know, echo chamber that, that we've come to know and love. But there was such a dearth of any information about Kawhi and the Clippers, nothing about their meetings, nothing, 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 nothing. And I interpret that as a good sign because, because that's, you know, the way Kawhi wants to operate. So the Clippers were doing a good job of keeping their boat from leaking, but, um, but still it was a little disconcerting. So I'd started to think, well, 
you know, maybe it's just not going to happen. Maybe he's going to end up back in Toronto. I really didn't see him at the Lakers. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, obviously it happened. So it's, it's huge. And then of course me not, you know, me being who I am, I immediately started lamenting five first round draft picks. Right. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Shay, and uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't a small price to say the, to say the least, but, but we got him, and this just opens so many possibilities. So, Steve, another question we've been asking, who do, you, who do you see kind of starting games and who do you see kind of closing games for this team? Kind of a loaded question. Right, the five starters I mentioned, right. plus Trez and Lou and J. Michael Green. Is it J. Michael or J. Michael? I've, I've, I've heard both over the years. I think it's J. Michael. He, All right, we'll uh, go with J. Michael. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And is that how you kind of see the team closing or do you kind of envision well, maybe so Lou? Trez, mm-hmm. Trez is going to get more, is going to get more minutes down the stretch. Obviously he's right. He's, he's the center, not um, Zubats. Um, and Lou Williams is Lou Williams. Right. So, um, you know, depending on the game, if you need, if you need buckets, uh, he's going to be out there. If it's close, Doc's going to be running off the defense. So those guys will definitely be part of it. And, and let's be – well, so I'm going to back up a second and say we are in such a different place now than we were where the Clippers have sort of – they were the least talented playoff team, and now they are the most talented team, period, right? So right. they had to – they – I mean, a great season. And we have, to, we have to give up some stuff, right? We have to give up that underdog team we have to we don't get that feeling this coming year we're the we're the team that's expected to do well we're the we're the we're the front runners etc so but last year they won so many games that they had no business winning in the regular season right they won games just by working their asses off and that ain't gonna happen this year right <laughs> they're just gonna coast they're gonna coast i think and you know and and let's be clear you know, we just watched Kawhi Leonard go into the playoffs fresh and freaking destroy everyone. Um, you know, the, the NBA needs, desperately needs to shorten the season because we're showing, we've seen that teams need to take the regular season less seriously if they want to do well in the playoffs. Uh, I think Doc's a true believer in that. I mean, Gallo led the team in minutes last year, you know, not counting Toby at a little, just a tick over 30 minutes per game. And that right. was in 68 minutes per game getting, you know, healthy rest. Mm-hmm. He's going to healthy rest. Kawhi, he's going to healthy rest. Paul George. Paul George played, what, 37 minutes last uh, per game in, in, in Oklahoma City last year? No way Doc's doing that. Yeah, in 77 so, games. He played a yeah. ton. Oh, he played a ton. Yeah. And, and then he was hurt in the playoffs, right? I mean, right. It's, it's a problem. Um, so Doc's going to gonna gonna. gonna going to give these guys lots of healthy rest he's not going to play them more than what 30 31 32 i don't think i don't think he's going to do it i think he's going to go deep in his bench during the regular season i think he's going to you know trust trust guys to do well in the system uh and save those guys for the playoffs which is exactly what he should do so in a close game and an important game i think you'll see um george Kawhi, Bev, uh, patrick beverly lou williams and Trez out there. I think that's your closing unit if you if you need it. And I tell you what, the defense of George and Kawhi Leonard and Patrick Beverly 
on the perimeter. I mean, teams are just going to be suffocated out there. That's that's probably the most interesting thing about this team is that those those three perimeter defenders are, you know, they're elite. They're, they're not just good. They are they are indisputably among the best perimeter defenders in the in the NBA. Oh, it's going to be so much fun watching those guys switch off and on players and just exactly. creating havoc. It's going to be such such a joy to watch. And Steve, you kind of mentioned that the team is no longer that that plucky, you know, catch on and off night team, and now we're kind of front runners. Are you kind of of the idea of championship or bust right now with this team, or is it or is that too high to kind of expect out of the gate? Well, gosh, I mean. Having having seen the contract that Kawhi signed, I mean, championship or bust, you know, it, there's there's a very you know there's there's a ticking clock here, right? We're we're going to be right back into uh, free agency hell two years from now, and if there hasn't been a championship in those two years, it's not gonna it's not gonna be great, right? It's not gonna look great going into it at least now. Everyone thought that Toronto would improve their chances significantly by winning that championship, um, at improve their chances at keeping Kawhi, and they didn't. We don't know what's going to happen, but you know, yeah, this team needs to this team needs to win. Um, and I've always been the guy that says, "Hey, sometimes you win championships and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get." injured some you know sometimes you you get a bad matchup sometimes you know there's different things that can happen but yeah this team is has high expectations has a ton of talent and has a two-year window I mean it's right now we are in this two-year window and it could go you know it could change very quickly if things don't go well man the phrase two-year window is terrifying Rob uh, we haven't really talked much about this uh this contract since it was new i think we all kind of expect the four-year deal that chan's originally reported and then now it's two and one and now we're a little bit nervous um i'm nervous i mean but what what do you really make of this two and one deal is there a reason to be nervous is it the money should we kind of calm down a little bit it's still it's kind of nerve-wracking after thinking we'd have this guy guaranteed for four years and now it could just be two or it could be not much longer, but it's hard to say. What do you think about this whole contract deal? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a smart deal for him, right? Because right. Of the way the max works and really it was always a surprise that he was going to take a four year. Um, unless of course he was not confident in his leg. So the plus side of this is that he and his team must think his leg is not a long-term issue because if they did, he would want to take as many years as possible to secure it. So he must think two years from now, um, he will still have the chance to get a max because he will still be a max level player. Yeah, I mean, you think that, but it's kind of almost like he saw Durant's Achilles blow out in front of everybody and he still got a max deal. I mean, I feel like even if Kawhi missed his second season with us, and God forbid, I, I hope he does not, but... I almost feel like Kawhi is almost guaranteed that money. I, I do think that it does show some comfort level in his injuries and his body to do it. But at the same time, we just saw Kevin Durant have the most significant injury that you could have and still get a full max because of his stature. Uh, just, it's, I mean, it's, I do think, you know, it would be a little different. I think Durant's game would probably age a little bit better, um, you know, with a, with a torn Achilles. Kawhi, of course you know, famed for his defense. KD is a perfectly good defender. 
probably above average, but he's not like an all defense level player. That lateral quickness is probably never going to be the same for him. About hurt Kawhi more than KD, and KD is just so tall; he can just shoot over everybody. Uh, he doesn't really rely on speed or quickness that much. I mean, all he needs right. to do is take big men off the dribble. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know a little off topic, but I think it would be a little bit worse for Kawhi to get that injury. Um, as for the Clippers, I think you know, for one, it was kind of to be expected that this would be what he wanted, and. I think when you look at the ages of, of Kawhi and Paul George, they were realistically probably only, only going to have a championship window over the next few, few years anyway. I mean, Kawhi just turned 28. So in two years, he's going to be 30. And players are playing longer than ever before. Certainly health is better, um, you know, but he's logged a lot of minutes. Uh, the next couple years are probably going to be the last years of his true prime. And Paul George is 29. So two years from now, he'll be 31. You know, I think the next two years are the Clippers' best bet to win a championship anyway. So I wouldn't necessarily say they were championship or bust already, but I think the pressure is kind of already on to win one in the next year or two. I mean, I think maybe year three is still would have been pretty good. Um, but overall, I think, you know, it certainly is scary to know that both of those guys could leave and just do summers. But you have to trust the team that the front office has built. Um and that the front office will know how to add more guys and keep people happy, and especially Kawhi with his injury management, and just make sure, you know, do everything in their power to make sure these guys stick around. So I'm not too worried. I think, obviously, it does put more pressure on the Clippers to win in the next year or two and to make a really good, not just a playing situation, but, you know, a team atmosphere and vibe. But I'm, I'm, cap- I'm confident that they can do that. So... It doesn't change the equation that much for me. I think, you know, initially it, it worried me quite a bit more. But ultimately, I think the Clippers are planning for them to stay longer than two years. And I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that happens. So I wouldn't go so far as to say championship or bust. But I do think, you know, this year they need to make the Western Conference Finals at the very least. I oh, think yeah. losing the first two rounds would be hugely disappointing for this team. Um, and really, I mean, I think, you know, the championship is obviously the goal, but I think that's probably the bare minimum is the Western conference finals. And I think sometime over the next two years, you know, anything can happen. Injuries can happen. You know, a sudden, a juggernaut could just emerge somehow, but I think, you know, they, they probably should be trying to win a championship for the next two years, not just to keep those guys, but because these are the two years when those guys will be still at their best. Right, and not to mention Lou Williams, right? I mean, how much yeah. how much longer does he have? Right, right. Um, you know, so this is, you know, they they look very well positioned this year. I totally agree with that. I think your point about uh, team leadership in general, um, I just feel like Doc Rivers is going to be such a good fit for Kawhi Leonard. I don't. I mean, I I may be wrong, but I feel like Kawhi is going to be like, okay, this is my guy. I like playing with this guy. He gets me. He, you know, he treats me right. I just feel like that's a really good fit. Uh, I can see that. I can see that partnership being very, very, very fruitful. And and Kawhi wanted to stay because of it. But we'll we'll see what happens. I could be wrong, obviously. Right, Steve. How did how did this compare to when we got Chris Paul? I know you were running Clips Nation then, and you kind of felt the hype then. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin was young. DeAndre was young. Chris Paul was in his prime. How? How were these two events 
similar to for you and different for you? So I think that's a great question. And, and I think that, so last week, right after the trade, um, Lucas shot me a note and said, hey, people want to hear from you on the blog. And I put a comment out there and I, and I got a little pushback because I said, hey, you know, guys, we, we, need to, we, we already know that uh, having two top 10 players in their prime doesn't guarantee you anything. We, we know that. And people were like, oh, Blake Griffin was never a top 10 player. Well, come on, guys. Yeah, he was. He, he was. was. He was. Well, I mean, I, we are all entitled to our opinion. If you don't think he was, that that's up to you. But he was second team All NBA three years in a row, and there's only ten of those guys. So finished finished third in voting for MVP too. Third in voting for that. MVP one year, just like Paul George last year. I mean, look, you know, Blake Griffin was absolutely uh, top ten, and Paul and Chris Paul was always better. So, um, you know, we had two top 10 players in their prime, younger than these two, by the way, right? So we were, we were there. We had, we had it's a, it is a little bit weird because I don't think anybody ever had any faith in Vinny Del Negro, who was the coach at the time. So it all felt very strange to have this super talented team being run by this guy that's like, you know, does he have any clue what he's doing? Um, so I almost feel like two years later when they, when they got Doc Rivers, the, the excitement was, was, was more significant. Um, so there's, we were there. We, and, and not only were we there, we were there from much less, like from nothing, right? Now we're there from having, having been close before. So it's a different feeling. It's a very different feeling. I would say that we were, we as Clippers fans, we're probably more hyped at the Chris Paul trade than we are now. Blake Griffin's ceiling was unlimited, as far as we could tell. Eric Bledsoe was around. I mean, there was a lot going on in the early days after the Chris Paul trade. Obviously, you know, it, it, never, it never happened. Injuries, as we've said, lots of things, right? But, you know, we know that there are no guarantees. We've seen it. Yeah, I, I think there. I think there was kind of. I agree with you. I, I think when the Chris Paul thing happened, it was unlike anything I've ever seen because it was really the first time of anything of that sort happened to the Clippers. You know, maybe not notwithstanding, I wasn't around for Dominique Wilkins, but I don't know what that what the hype, uh, how the hype was back then as far as his prospects. But I know when we got Paul. It was exciting, but at the same time, I was always of the. I was very scared when we got Paul because we still had Donald Sterling. We still had really shaky front office management. We had a coach we didn't trust. Uh, we didn't trust to run a, a championship contender. Uh, not not so much. He was good with the kids, but not so much with the title contender. He, you know, Sterling was still penny pinching with Olshay, so he was kind of and rightfully so. He left pretty soon because he found an owner that was willing to pay him rather than pay him month by month. So we didn't really have a, a, a GM that was consistent. We were still pretty fresh off those Elgin Baylor years and the concern about Sterling employing somebody good in the front office. So I think the the hype around Paul was probably maybe maybe more exciting at the same time i don't think anybody thought the clippers were the best team in the league even when they got paul and blake we thought that we were possible contenders but it's not quite like it is now rob we never really talked about this like what 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 is your comparison to the lob city um beginnings and this you know clamp city i guess i think steve put it really well which is that you know it was 
that team was so much different because it was so much younger. You know, the whole Lob City vibe was not like, hey, this is a championship team right now. It was, this might be the most fun, young, up-and-coming team in the NBA vibe. And for a couple of years, it really was. Um, you know, there were always some quirks and injuries and, you know, complaints about flopping and whining and whatnot. But those teams were really, really good and really, really fun. But at the same time, I don't think – I think there were only, like, a stretch of a couple days here or there where they were ever, like, really favored to win a championship. And early on, it was because Blake and DJ were too young. In the middle, you know, the middle two years, it was that was kind of their real house when they really were actually contenders. And then the last two years, the chemistry started slipping, uh, the supporting casts weren't as good, and injuries became a real issue. So, you know, the, as we've talked before, the 2014 and 2015 seasons were the real seasons where I think the Clippers had a shot. Um, but I think they're kind of different situations. I will agree, though, that Clippers fans who are going over the moon with this kind of stuff, like, I think are really underrating not just Blake, but especially Chris Paul, who until Kawhi and PG play for a few seasons here is going to be the best player who's ever worn a Clippers uniform. He might still be. Um, I think people really, you know, I get in arguments with Twitter on Twitter all the time with people uh, about Chris Paul, who is, you know, I think still one of the most underrated players of his generation, even though he's one of the greatest players of his generation, Um, you know, a top five player throughout almost his entire time with the Clippers, I think. And Certainly, I mean, Paul George is more hyped. And I think there is an idea that, you know, big wings in the playoffs can create their own shot a little bit easier. They have more defensive versatility, which in this era is particularly valuable. But I don't think Paul George, you know, maybe a couple months of this year aside, has ever been better than Chris Paul. Now, you could argue for Kawhi Leonard, certainly. Um, But even this year, in the regular season, his defense was not much better than good. He really wasn't deserving of all defense. He turned it on the playoffs, certainly. Um, but even then, I don't think he was necessarily that great in help on the pick and roll. Uh, you know, Chris Paul is one of the best defensive point guards ever, just a mastermind at running an offense, creating efficient so- shots, um, not turning the ball over considering his usage rate. Really just a legendary all-time great player. And the Clippers had him for the best years of his career outside of, you know, two seasons in New Orleans, and they never got past the second round of the playoffs. There was a lot of bad luck. Uh, there were some, you know, of the most random shots and you know, bad injuries and just, you know, we all know it very well. But I do think, you know, the idea that the Clippers are just going to cruise to like a title um, or even the favorites until we see this team on the court, I think is a bit misplaced. But I do think the comparisons to Lob City are a bit off because Blake and DJ were just so young at the beginning. And DJ wasn't even that good at the beginning. Clippers yeah. fans certainly liked him and had high hopes for him. Um, People forget that. Um, under Del Negro, DJ, you know, didn't finish games yeah. for two seasons of, of quote unquote Lob City. DJ was was not the closer. He was he was barely, you know, he was he was underutilized certainly, and and a big part of it was Del Negro not trusting him. But when Doc came in and told him, "Hey, look, you you think you're the you think you're somebody else. You're Tyson Chandler. You you need to dominate on defense." That was when DJ became DJ. He wasn't for two years. He wasn't. He wasn't DeAndre Jordan at all. Um, he was. He was a league average center at best, uh, and played and played the minutes to reflect it. I mean, Del Negro didn't trust him one bit. So DJ became a very different player after the after the beginning. And the the I mean, we talked about it last time that I was on the podcast. None of the ancillary moves worked. None of them. 
like nope. no, they never a they were never able to really build anything around those guys. It was those three, and okay, JJ Reddick's a good shooter who disappears in playoffs. It's okay, you know, there just there wasn't anything else. Um, I'm gonna jump in with a Paul George comment real quick though. I happen to be like an efficiency, like efficiency is the real thing to me, scoring efficiency. Paul George's effective field goal percentage career is 51%. He had a career year last year. His effective field goal percentage was a tick under 53%, which was the Clippers team effective field goal mm -hmm. percentage. Yeah. You know, he's a volume shooter who has been better the last few years, but he's never been a particularly efficient scorer. Um, and you know, if he's an overrated defender and not a particularly efficient scorer, is he, you know, I, I don't know the answer. I've never watched Paul George that much, but I've never really felt like, I mean, unlike Kawhi, who I feel like you, you have to at least consider, we, we, we don't gauge defense very well. Anybody, nobody does that very well, but you have to consider Kawhi Leonard in the conversation for best player in the NBA for the last few seasons based on the combination of what he does that's not you know Paul George is he top 10 is he top 5 is he top 15 uh, I'm not I'm not a huge Paul George fan I mean I'm I'm thrilled that we that the Clippers have him but I look I crunch his numbers and I'm like eh, you know you know uh, I like long wings. That's good. <laughs> I like length on the, on the perimeter, but, but he, you know, is he really a top five guy? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't think, so. I think that's fairly valid. I mean, George has only shot over 45%, like what once in his career. Six with 10 wing. Yeah. So he should have those advantages. And last year he didn't even crack 44%. Uh, the good thing about him is he's a consistently pretty good three point shooter over the last few seasons. So that's a, that's an encouraging thing, but the idea that maybe he has a bit of a volume score, I, I, I don't think that's completely misplaced. It's, it's a bit concerning. Um, he obviously has endurance. I mean, he's played, he's been, I know, despite the fact that he's had multiple shoulder injuries, he had that gruesome uh, leg injury a few years ago, last few seasons, man, 77 games, 79 games, 75 games, 81 games, the guy plays games and he's been almost a bit of an iron man considering his injury history. But, you know, I, I don't think it's, qu it's questionable. Kawhi is the better of the two. The efficiency numbers would absolutely back that up. Um, Rob, I mean, are, are you kind of concerned about the hype for Paul George right now, especially first off a uh, surgery? He's certainly overrated. I could not agree more. I've long been kind of a PG skeptic. Um, you know how NBA Twitter and NBA fans get, there's kind of like this uh, snowball effect where once an idea gains traction, it's hard to lose it. And, you know, Zach Lowe, great writer, amazing writer, amazing podcaster, super good basketball mind, especially for a national media member. He has been a Paul George champion. And, you know, a lot of what Lowe says kind of spreads its way down. And, you know, one of his trademark sayings is like, Paul George is a boss. And I think a lot of people kind of have gotten their cue from that. Certainly, he's very, very good. Uh, but I could not agree more. I think last year, you know, he's, people were like, oh, he's a top five player. What really happened is he shot out of his mind for two or three months and then got injured. And you could say, well, the injury is what affected him. But really, there's not much in his career to say that he was ever going to sustain that level of play. He's really not a top five guy. 
I mean, he's 29. And we've seen, I mean, Clippers fans should know, like Lou Williams has had the best two years of his career the past years in his 30s. So these guys can get better um, and develop new aspects of their game. I do not think he's top five. I think he's, you know, borderline top 10, certainly top 15, I think, is fair. He's a very, very good defender. Uh, he's kind of an underrated playmaker. And he is, you know, he's capable of creating his own shot against almost anybody, which is useful. The efficiency is certainly not really there. But, I, you know, I think the combination of them will be really interesting. You guys already mentioned the perimeter defense. I think in the playoffs, honestly, the offense might be a little scarier because you have two big wings who can create their own shot against anybody. Like, how do you have not many teams, if any teams, have two guys who can match up with both of them? Um, you know, certainly, and then like you can give the ball to Lou Williams, also. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, the Clippers' offense. I mean, their defense might be more fun for fans to watch, just because having all three of those guys out there swarming and locked in will be incredible. But I think for opposing teams, their offense might be scarier because if you have Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell out there, that's one of the best pick and roll duos in the league the past two years, and they're like the third and fourth best players on the court. So, I mean, the Clippers' offense you know, when they put their best lineups on the court, it's going to be really, really, really tough to defend. And, you know, Paul George hopefully will be the second or sometimes, you know, if Lou is having a good game, even the third option, just spotting up for three attacking closeouts, uh, running some secondary or tertiary pick and roll action. Like, I don't, I hope that they don't try to make him a true focal point of the offense, except, you know, if he's feeling it or in games, Kawhi's load managing. So, I do think that he's getting a bit overrated and, uh, you know, I've long been a person who's argued against, you know, kind of the hype around him, but I think this Clippers team is actually a really good fit for him. And I think that's the other big difference as, as Steve just mentioned with the Lob City era is the support pieces on this team fit, or at least on paper fit perfectly. I mean, they're running 10 deep right now. They have a full bench of dudes who can legitimately play in the NBA not just like, you know, relying on a 34-year-old Lamar Odom or on Glenn Big Baby Davis or any of these other guys, you know, who maybe they could give you scrap minutes here or there. I mean, Rodney Magruder is like the 10th best player on this team, and he started for, you know, a solid enough Heat team the past few years. So, I mean, this team is really, really deep, and I think that's probably, um, you know, the thing that's most different from Lob City, not really the talent at the top. I mean, they've never had, as good as Jamal was his first couple seasons, Lou was better. They never had a bench big man like Montrezl Harrell. And the depth at wing in terms of big wings who can, you know, shoot and play defense just is completely different right now. Yeah. Um, there's been a ton of movement out west since our last pod. Well, not even a ton, but some movement that happened after, almost as a result of this Paul George trade. Russell Westbrook got traded to the Rockets for Chris Paul and a bunch of picks. Like, what? I don't even, <laughs> I don't even really know what to say about that deal. But as far as the West pecking order, you know, obviously the Clippers are contender. Steve, like, who, who are you kind of uh, worried about afterwards? I mean, the Lakers are in there, the Jazz, the Rockets. Who uh, who kind of looks scary as far as a counterpart to the Clippers as somebody who could maybe take the less? Well, the, we got to start with the Lakers and Clippers, and and it needs to be said that oh, what am I fifty six years old? Been a Clippers fan since they moved to LA. We have never had the Clippers and Lakers good at the same time, right? Nope. The Clippers right. got good when the Lakers got bad. Even back in the 80s, 
when the Clippers made the, the playoffs, or sorry, the early 90s, when the Clippers made the playoffs, the Lakers didn't. Um, they once both made it as like the five and eight seeds or something. Um, oh, six was close. Oh, six. I mean, it just, they've never been good at the same. They've, they've mostly, one of them has been terrible while the other one's been good. Right. And a couple of times they were both okay, but they've never been good at the same time. And now here we are with, you know, four incredible players on the two teams uh, and, you know, all the hype in the world for Lakers Clippers games. So that's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy to see Lakers Clippers when, you know, when both teams are good, that, that just hasn't happened. So I'm really, I've, I've also, I've never seen this amount of hate from Laker fans towards the Clippers. Like it's, it's like, on the internet, even like I'm just seeing on the internet. I'm not in LA right now. I can only imagine what it is if I was wearing my my what to do baby shirt that I got off Clips Nation. What people would say to me just walking around the street. You know, obviously, I think Clipper. There's probably a lot of Clipper pride right now, but there's a lot of Laker anger, especially considering it was Kawhi Leonard. All those reports were saying Kawhi was going. Just like you had mentioned, Steve, there are people that probably were also texting me and Rob about how. Uh, Kawhi was coming to the Lakers. I know I got some of it and I never bought into any of that noise. And then lo and behold, we got him. But there are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Laker kind of anger towards the Clippers. Like I've been seeing kind of being projected recently. And that's only going probably to continue. Paul George, of course, has a lot of Laker history. He was supposed to be a Laker, blah, blah, blah. And now he's also a Clipper. It's uh, that whole dynamic is kind of interesting. So are, are you saying kind of, I know the Lakers Clipper dynamic will be, intriguing are, are are we thinking that they're the they're the other western conference favorite as of right now i mean i think well, vegas seems to think that um yeah you know they're 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 good they're not you know they've got two great players and they've put some uh put some decent pieces around them i mean uh uh wait we hate avery bradley right yes yes okay we really hate him and fuck and that he- guy <laughs> 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 um, so, are we allowed to curse on the podcast? Oh Fuck yeah. yeah! Oh yeah! Um, Especially when it comes to Avery Bradley. Yeah. So um, anyway, I mean, the, who knows with Demarcus? Um, but wow, and and it's sort of like the uh, what what the seventeen uh, Pelicans Redux, right? You've got right. Demarcus. Very and, weird. And uh, how about Jared Dudley taking some shots at the Clippers too, by the way, he just won't stop. He's not going to stop. Is Jared Dudley alive? Oh my God. He's a Laker. Because the last time I saw him in a Clippers uniform, I thought he was dead. (laughs) Right. He was on the court, but I didn't think he was moving. Remember when Dudley had that one breakaway layup against OKC? I think it was in OKC and immediately went to the bench like limping because his body was failing him. It was it was a bad season, man. And that guy has not stopped taking like these little subtle shots at the Clippers ever since grow up, man. Just get over it. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was, yeah, I, he's <laughs> thing about Jared Dudley. I'm, I am honestly shocked that he's still in the NBA though. That is shocking. Yeah. Um, he's talking a lot too. So, yeah. Um, so obviously Houston was a bit forgotten before they acquired Westbrook. I just don't see a universe in in which uh, James Harden's usage rate and Russell Westbrook's usage rate can exist in the same Gosh. building. I mean, that's just 
that's just crazy. Those, I mean, talk about guys who have to have the ball in their hands. Um, I just don't know. I something's got to give there, and I don't know what it can possibly be. Um, so they're they're going to be interesting. Poor Denver, all they had was the second best uh, record in the NBA last year. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to I'm going to sort of circle back to a point that I wanted to make a little bit earlier. When you talk about why there's such excitement about this Clippers team. I think you can't ignore uh, injuries to Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, right? I mean, for when, when the, when Lob City first happened, the Spurs were the Spurs, right? I mean, there was, there was, yeah, the Clippers are good, but are they as good as the Spurs? Right, right. Um, and now here we are, we, we, this, this thing happened. We've got these two stars coming on to a team that already made the playoffs that was interesting that that looked interesting from the outside at the same time that the the warriors who were the only team that mattered when they were healthy like i i you know i haven't paid much attention to off seasons in a while because oh you know who cares the warriors gonna win the championship right but now that's out that's that's off the table the warriors are normal the warriors are are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. The, the Warriors are not the de facto favorite. And that's a huge difference here, right? We no longer have a favorite, which means, okay, well, the Clippers might as well be the favorite, right? Wow. It's a big difference from the Lob City era where there were these, you know, in particular, the Spurs were always the one. And then, of course, the Warriors became the one after the Spurs were the one. Um, you know, there was never a time when you looked at it and said, oh, yeah, the Clippers are definitely better than anybody else. It was always they're going to need some breaks to, to be better than, than the Spurs. They're going to need some breaks to be better than the Warriors. Um, it was always that way. And, and that's just not the case this year. Who's better than the Clippers? Ain't nobody better than the Clippers. Yeah, that's certainly how it feels right now. Um, Rob, what is your take on that on that Westbrook deal? I, I feel like the general consensus, at least amongst Clipper fans, is it's lateral, maybe. I, I, I don't know how, how much better they got. Obviously, Westbrook, in a nutshell, is a better player than Chris Paul is right now. Right now. Um, but it's hard to say how much better they've gotten as a team. It obviously was a very flashy move, and they also – added Tyson Chandler. It sounds like they're going hard for Iguodala. Do you have any takes on that deal? I thought it was a pretty bad deal for the Rockets. I mean, I yeah. think Westbrook is probably better than Chris Paul, but it's not by a huge margin. I think really the most helpful thing is he's just been healthier than Paul has been. I mean, Paul has just missed so many games over the past few years. He's in his mid-30s. It's not going to get any better. I talked to a few Houston people in Vegas before the deal, and they were just really worried about Paul making it through the season again. So I think from that standpoint, you know, sure, they got a guy who's going to play more regular season games, will probably be healthier for the playoffs. But Russell Westbrook is not a good performer in the playoffs. The past three postseasons, uh, he has been really bad. And sure, like, you know, I don't think the Thunder have ever been really favored against any of those series. They're all kind of toss-ups. But he has not been good. And, I mean, he's also – I think he's 31. He might be turning 32 soon or 30, turning 31. I'm not sure. He has a game that's predicated on athleticism. His shooting has never been worse. I think his defense slightly ticked up last year, but he's still a worse defender than Paul is. Really, I think the main area it will help is that he's a really great rebounder, and the Rockets were awful at rebounding last year. So I think that will help, you know – 
they're obviously going to have a lot of shooting around him. So they'll be able to space the four. So I, I think he'll probably be, help them in the non-Harden minutes. But when Harden is on the court, which in big games is obviously going to be like, you know, 36 plus minutes, I don't know how much better he makes them with Paul, than Paul. He's a worse defender. He's a worse shooter. Uh, you know, probably better at creating his own shot, I guess. But they're mostly just mid-range bricks. Um, I, it makes them different, I guess. But I thought they should have just stayed put because – as Steve mentioned, nobody was really talking about them because they didn't make any moves, but they were really good last year after, you know, they got healthy. Harden is still incredible. Paul, when healthy, is still really good. And now that the Warriors are not the Warriors, a couple of their players, especially Clint Capella, who just could not stay on the court against the Warriors, gets a lot more value against the rest of the Western Conference. So I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, they gave up two first-round picks and two pick swaps for, you know, maybe a slight upgrade. I think it was a pretty bad trade. Do I think it makes them a little bit more dangerous next year? Like, probably, but not significantly. Um, you know, I think the Lakers might still be the scariest team to play in the playoffs solely for LeBron James. Um, but I think really, as, as Steve briefly mentioned too, the Lakers season weirdly kind of hinges on DeMarcus Cousins. I think if he's either injured or causes locker room problems or just isn't that good, there's a limited ceiling on their team because it's really just two guys and then some role players. You know, if he's able to get back to like 80% of when he was an all-star, even though I think he was overrated even then, uh, you know, that's a quite a bit more dangerous team with all that size uh, on offense. So, LeBron is still just terrifying to me. Like, he's definitely declined the past couple of years. But when that guy's locked in, he's still, you know, maybe the best basketball player in the NBA, certainly up there. Uh, you know, the Clippers now have two guys to throw on him. Of, you know, the caliber and size of defenders they've never had before to throw on guys like LeBron or KD or Giannis in, in Kawhi and um, Paul George. And honestly, even guys like Magruder and Mo Harkless can certainly get shifts there as well on those guys. Um, so I think they're set up fairly well for the Lakers. Certainly, I think another big body would help, um, to supplement Zubats and Montrez Harrell, but the two teams, I think, you know, are kind of building a bit more from scratch and from homegrown talent are the Nuggets and Jazz. I think both those teams are going to be really good, uh, but I think the Clippers match up very well with both of them. I don't think either of those teams really has any shot at, at guarding PG or Kawhi. Um, you know, Gobert and Jokic will be problems for the Clippers because their sizable advantage is at center. But I think those, you know, five teams are probably the top of the, the West. And I think the Clippers could absolutely beat all of them in a playoff series. Uh, will they? Who knows? Uh, but I think in terms of depth, in terms of top-end talent, they are the best team in the Western Conference. Um, and then if you want to look really broad, I think – the Bucks are still going to be really good. Uh, Brockton's also hurt them. I tweeted this the other day. I think people are sleeping on the Sixers. Um, you know, losing Jimmy Butler will hurt. But Embiid is an absolute monster when he's healthy. Um, and Clippers fans should know that better than anybody because he has just destroyed the Clippers. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, for all the talk about he can't shoot, is really, really good. Tobias Harris, we know, is very good. Josh Richardson is underrated. Al Horford's still really good. Their bench is much better this year. Um, you know, I think actually if, you know, fingers crossed, the Clippers actually make it to the finals, I think both those teams would be very tough opponents, especially the Sixers. I think the Sixers are probably favorites right now, if I had to pick. For the East, I think they're the favorites out East. Because Brogdon, the Bucks are going to miss Brogdon. 
Um, they kept most everybody else together, but I think Brogdon was kind of a, a, a really nice glue guy for them. And I, I like the Sixers a lot, like you, like you do. I do, too. Will Embiid be consistent in the playoffs is a big question. But if he does, if he takes this as seriously as his post-game reaction showed, then maybe he will just kind of obliterate everybody. And nobody has an answer for him, including the Clippers. The Clippers got destroyed by Embiid every time the Sixers Well, play. I mean, he's the, he's the last true uh, post player in the NBA right now, right? I mean, he's right. the... He's the one that that will make a difference. We know we know it ain't Demarcus anymore, right? We there there isn't there isn't a here. Let's let's do volume scoring from a big, other than Embiid at this point. And so nobody has those defenders either. So you can go at basically every other team in the league with Joel Embiid, and it's tough. He makes a really really tough matchup. Um, and I, I mean, I've never been a big Jimmy Butler fan. I almost feel like it's addition by subtraction for that team to get, you know, to, to say, all right, it's really Embiid. It's not Jimmy Butler pounding the ball on the perimeter. It's, it's, you know, that's not who we should have been ever. Um, I like, I like the Sixers. Um, it, it's going to come down to the Sixers and the Bucks in the East, it would seem, at least until Kevin Durant's back. Yeah, I agree. And I, and like uh, Rob mentioned, Josh Richardson is a really, really kind of a nice player, mostly for his defensive antics. So they sound like they're going to try and maybe uh, make him the new Covington and, and uh, make him a defender and a three-point shooter, a three and D kind of guy. And he, he was uh, he kind of created by default last year and wasn't the most efficient player, but he is not just uh, a throw-in in that deal. He's a nice young player. Um yeah, I, I mean, I think that's most of what I wanted to get takes on. Steve, what do you think about this idea of this Iguodala trade with Mo, for more Har, Mo Harkless, maybe Jerome Robinson, and maybe a pick? It sounds like Memphis is really holding out for a first rounder, so maybe we won't be able to get a deal done. But I feel like this is kind of subtly a question, the idea of Mo Harkless, Rome, and maybe another pick down the future for Iguodala. Obviously, Iguodala is a big shot maker. He's made big shots, but he seemed to, you know, he's had some tendencies to kind of break down in the playoffs. He's been injured very often. He looked a bit washed to end last season. Um, is there a question even about Har- And Harkless, I think, is kind of getting underrated. His versatility, his able- ability to switch, um, just kind of a nice player, especially for load management. You know, and Iguodala can't be really dependent on that load management situation. But obviously, Iguodala's postseason experience is valued. What's your take on this whole idea of trading for Iguodala right now in this in this part of his career? Well, I, you know, I love. We've already talked about it a little bit. You know, if 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 we saw it with the Warriors, and I I've always been a fan of if I could run five guys out there that were all six seven to six nine and switch freaking everything like i mean gosh think about shay on this team. <laughs> no right? don't talk don't talk think about shay's shay's wingspan all that length oh my god i mean that was that that hurt losing shay because to put shay out there with these guys mm. i just you know uh, and so it you know having another switchable um defender out there in Iguodala would be would be great and I'm not a huge Harkless fan so mm-hmm. um but obviously Iggy's getting old and 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 yeah he showed some wear and tear last year um uh I don't like 
the I don't like the idea of just chasing all the vets either. I mean, it happens. And at some level, you know what else? Sit tight, wait for the trade deadline. Don't be, I mean, certainly don't be throwing first round picks at Iguodala right now. The Memphis doesn't need him, doesn't want him. He's going to be available. Other players are going to be available. You know, we can, the Clippers can afford to wait to the tra trade deadline to see who else wants to chase a ring then uh, and what they could come up with. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up much for Iguodala. That's for sure. Rob, what's your take on this Iguodala situation? Yeah, I wouldn't give up too much for him. I think, you know, a good way to think of it is in the regular season, Harkless will probably be more valuable. Iggy tends to coast, and he's also probably going to get load managed and just rest and whatnot because he's, you know, one of the older, more, you know, traveled players in the NBA. I mean, I think he's probably – he has to be top 10 in minutes played among NBA players. He might even be top five. I mean, he's been around since, like, 2003. And especially early in his Sixers days, he was playing, like, 37, 38 minutes a game. Uh, you know, he has been around. So a regular season, I think Harkless is more valuable. I think in the playoffs, you worry about playing Harkless. He doesn't really have a ton of offensive utility outside of spot-up threes. Iggy, certainly a really, really good and creative passer. So I think if you're looking at the infamous Draymond 16-game players, Iggy is certainly that. Harkless, you know, maybe more of like an eight-game player in the first couple rounds. I don't know how much you can really play him against like premium teams who will really cramp the floor and force lesser players to do stuff. But he's an upgrade, but I, again, like I, I completely agree. The Clippers don't have many first round picks. Those first round picks are going to be crucial for adding cheap young talent around yeah. these older Clippers players as Kawhi and PG, you know, hopefully the Clippers are able to retain them in two years. So, you know, four years from now, maybe when those guys are 33 and 32, they're not good. They're going to play even less than they are this year. They're going to be load managed even more. Um, you know, to, tra to transition to the Terrence Mann era. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so retaining picks is really important and I just, I don't think it's worth it. Now, certainly I think, you know, Chap and I are not on the Jerome Robinson bandwagon. Oh, no. <laughs> I think if it's, Harkless and Jerome for Iggy, depending on your thoughts on Jerome, maybe that's a trade you do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not at the point where I'm ready to write him off just because of like four summer league games, but uh, this was certainly a not good summer league for him, uh, which for a second year lottery player is, is pretty bad news. Uh, you know, I, I think that would be an okay trade, but I agree. I mean, I think, you know, there have been – the Clippers have been waiting to fill out the last couple of spots on the end of their bench, and it could be they just leave one or two spots open for that waiver wire, uh, you know, the buyout market, because they are now one of these teams who will be favored and who championship, you know, veterans who want to ring, win a ring might go to. Like, you know, he doesn't really fit a position of need, but I'm thinking, you know, like a guy like Trevor Reza who signed with the Kings or something, uh, you know how long he's going to stay on the Kings. I'm not super high on them this year. Uh, there are always those guys, those veterans who go to, you know, not that great teams for the money and get bought out at some point. The Clippers will have their pick of those guys. Um, other people become available as the season goes along. Um, you know, so I don't think there's any real desperation to trade for Iggy now. Again, you're, you would get him for the playoffs anyway. So if he's still available at the deadline, then I would rather trade for him then and give up less. Um, you know, I could certainly see it. I mean, he's still, when push comes to shove, in 
a championship game. You can still trust Iggy with 15 to 20 minutes, which I don't think you can with Mo Harkless. Uh, and the question is how much are you willing to pay for that? How much do you think you really need that? And I, I don't really know yet because we haven't seen this team play at all. Um, so yeah, I would be very wary of getting, of giving up, you know, significant assets for Iguodala right now. Yeah. Steve, I think we're going to go to questions pretty soon, but anything else you kind of want to talk about with this team uh, before we head to that? Uh, no, I think I, I think we hit the things that, uh, that I thought were important. Um, you know, the, the Lakers Clippers thing is going to be one of the most interesting things to me, just seeing, seeing both teams being contenders at the same time is going to be very, very, very interesting. I actually had an interesting, well, I think it's kind of an interesting question. Maybe it's not that interesting. Um, this goes for both of you too. And, you know, I'll probably give my thoughts as well, but what, how do you think, you know, the Clippers teams of the past two years, I've been calling them kind of the interregnum Clippers between Log City and whatever this new era is. Um, you know, how do you think they're going to be remembered? Like, which of those guys will you remember? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Pat Beverly seems like he's going to be around for another few years, certainly, like maybe Lou and Treswell as well. But, you know, how do you, how will you remember those teams? I know, especially this last year's team will probably be pretty fondly, but how do you think those teams will kind of like age in, in the hearts of, of Clippers fans? I mean, honestly, I feel like this Clipper team now, this last Clipper team is probably a fan favorite across the board. I don't know many Clipper fans that don't rank them in maybe one of their top three or so favorite teams of their Clipper fandom experiences. It probably was my favorite favorite could possibly be for, you know, relative to expectations and what the team did. It's probably my favorite team in that sense. Shea Gildas Alexander will be my like game for game, like, favorite clipper ever maybe for considering he only played 82 games and of course those are the six playoff games i love shay i'm always going to remember him he'll always be one of my favorite rookie clippers ever probably i would say you know shay is probably my fit my second favorite rookie behind blake and i don't even know if it's particularly that close i mean we've had some good rookies in the past you know, Eric Gordon. I feel like we've had some late blooming rookies that have kind of kind of been better as they went along. Maybe second season. Lamar Odom obviously was a fantastic rookie. I think Shea and Lamar. You know, but Shea, Shea was so professional and such a good kid and like so willing to grow. And you saw his leaps and bounds. And Lamar was just kind of this kid who was just thrown into a bad situation and trying to make the most of it. And his best Clipper year was the second year, anyways. Shea, Shea was. Shea is going to be a very, very special player in my, in my history of Clipper players, and I'm going to miss him the most. And that team just in general was just so plucky. The best thing about them is that we're going to see most of them back. So especially the important figures, pretty much every important player, aside from Shea, aside from Gallo, who will also be very much missed, um, will be back. So that's the nice thing about that team is that we're bringing most of them back, so they're going to live on. But Shea, I will particularly love. And Gallo, I think, I think he gets kind of forgotten in this whole hubbub. He was a really great clipper. He had a great year last year. Really proved a lot from, you know, the moment that they had that Team USA versus Team World game to the very last buzzer in the Golden State series. He was just proving himself over and over again. And uh, he absolutely deserves his love too. So I, I'm going to remember that team very, very fondly. Even if this clipper team wins a championship, you know, it probably will be my favorite Clipper moment if we win a title, but I'm not going to forget the team. That interim period, especially last year's team, um, will be remembered very, very fondly by me. 
I think that the one thing that it's going to be remembered as, uh, and and it's weird, it's not for themselves, even though they are, uh, it was a super fun team, but this has got to go down as one of the great rebuilds of all time. Right. right. We went from two, two max players to two different max players, which is not hard, is not easy to do, right? You, you got, you guys, you got guys on max contracts that start looking tough to trade and, and they turn that into two different guys on, on max contracts. That's just really, really tough. Now, obviously the fact that it's LA, you know, it would be harder to do that in New Orleans than it would be to do that in Los Angeles. Um, so you've got a geographic advantage, but to do that in the time that they did and to stay competitive the whole time, to have like a winning record in the interim and make the playoffs last year, that's just ridiculous that they went from, from, from the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin era to the Kawhi uh, Leonard, Paul George era without becoming terrible. And they did it in two years, you know, wow. And, and that team is just part of that process uh, that, that will stand out as, wow, they were really great. And obviously, you know, Beverly and Trez and Williams, who are part of this team, were all in that first trade. Um, so it's, it really looks, you know, what it is to me is evidence of one of the great rebuilds of all time. Yeah, I do think that first Clipper, the first Clipper team with Austin Rivers and all those G League teams, that team will probably be forgotten more so than this team. Beverly didn't play many games. Uh, not that it should, because that team was probably just as impressive considering all the injuries the team the went injury, through, yeah, the, mean, the Blake Griffin trade. Yeah. Like, so I will remember Jamil Wilson popping for threes. Jamil Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Hive lives on. Uh, oh, man. And Ty Wallace, some nope. guy from North Carolina State, some twenty-seven. Wow, well, what? Who am I remembering? C.J. Williams. C.J. Williams, a, game winner. Made a game winner. Yeah, made a game winner. And I mean, it was just that team was uh, kind of fun too, right? C.J. Yeah. Freaking Williams, you know, <laughs> got it, made an NBA game winner when you know if the Clippers hadn't had twenty-seven other injuries, he wouldn't have been on the NBA court. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun year too. Um, but what a great, what a great rebuild and, and, you know, and what a great job by Doc Rivers, honestly. I think that's also when, um, Rob officially was looking for property and, uh, Ty Wallace Island. So <laughs> Ty Wallace Island will now move to Minnesota. <laughs> I'm happy for him. Also, they had CJ Williams last year too. So he must just love Clippers two-way guys. Um, <laughs> or former Clippers two-way guys. Actually right. though, uh, you mentioned Twitter questions. I tweeted about this and uh, it got two retweets and nine likes, but no actual questions. The one response was from uh, Griseldic at Cubemungus, who says, uh, Stunning Steve, exclamation, and Warlock from Clips Nation says hi. Uh, hi, Warlock. Yeah. So, no actual <laughs> questions. I just don't think there are many people on Twitter right now. Uh, most people on my timeline are watching a Grizzly Celtic Summer League game. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, Summer League is a different... I know we discussed a little before the pod, but Steve, you have not watched much Summer League, for which you, sh you should be happy, correct? <laughs> I used to watch Summer League when I wrote about things all the time, and uh, it was never that much fun, so... 
I don't think I watched a minute of, of Clippers Summer League. I think I, I think I had it on while I was doing something one day, but it wasn't a Clippers game. So, uh, nope, don't know much. I know that uh, I know that Terrence Mann got a triple double. That's about it. He was one assist away from a triple double. I was oh, there. He didn't get it. I thought he had it. No, he no, was. No, he was right there. And uh, he was pulled from the game with a minute left, and the like 150 people who were there were booing. He uh, wanted it too. He was looking up every time he did anything to this to the yeah. to see his to watch his stats. So uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think really I don't know if there's that much to talk about from summer league. I think not really. Probably the most important takeaway is how not good Jerome Robinson looked, which I already alluded to. Um, you know, they spent the 13th pick on him in what is looking to be like. It's probably too early to say an all-time great, great draft class, but like an extremely good rookie draft class. Um, and that was with injuries to some of like the best players in it, like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, the 2018 NBA draft looks absolutely loaded, and the Clippers used their 13th pick on Jerome in what was widely considered a reach. And, uh, you know, he showed some flashes last year. He played fairly well in the G League, I think, but um, a disappointing summer league. Uh, just do you have any quick hitters on Jerome or, or anything else, Shap, before we uh, I'm, Yeah, Jerome was disappointing. Uh, I, I'm excited about Terrence Mann, as, as I think many Clipper fans might be. You know, not obviously as a, an impact player immediately, but as somebody who might be good down the line and maybe get spot minutes, maybe this upcoming season, but probably shouldn't be relied on for a steady role, but he has better handle than I ever thought he would have and better pace than I ever thought he would have. Uh, even if just for against summer league competition. So that's super exciting. I mean, aside from that, I mean, the coffee, the kid that we have the two way with, he, he seemed like a man among boys a lot of the time. And um, Jerome, Jerome was just, and of course uh, we, we got, uh, we got fee um, who looks Kevin Gelly. Most space uh, 2.0 baby. <laughs> Most space 2.0. Uh, he has a little bit, maybe more of a knack, interiorly than than most fates yeah, did no, definitely. but uh but definitely just tunnel vision charlie villanueva most fates type of guy <laughs> uh just looking for his own on offense you know he is kind of gritty and he has a good motor which is more than you could say for somebody like charlie v even most fates really not really motor guys so maybe there's room for improvement and he put up great stats but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on, as far as his immediate uh, capability of contributing. He uh, he has what seems like what could grow into a nice NBA body, though. So those are good things. His pick-and-pop game is legit. So Oh, yeah. He can really shoot. That's a really good thing. So he's going to be an NBA player, I think, regardless, just with his size and his ability to pick-and-pop, his knack for offensive boards. Man, this is a lot of Charlie Villanueva stuff. But uh, he – uh, he, I know, but I, I think he has more of a voter. Charlie V, my gosh, is like an all-time – I have myself in my fantasy league guy. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, I mean, uh, I think Fee, you know, certainly has a little bit of Montrez Harrell in terms of his energy level. Right. Um, not the athlete and not the strength that Trez does, I mean, Fee really needs to get stronger. That's one of the things he needs to work on. Whereas Trez came into the NBA, like one of like the 15 strongest and is now is probably like a top five strongest dude in the NBA. Um, you know, I, like I think I said a, a pot or two ago, I cannot wait for Trez and Zion to go head to head for the first time because it will be ferocious. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think really, you know, the only guy who came in with a guaranteed contract was Jerome, and he was like the Clippers' fourth or fifth best player in Summer League, which, again, is Summer League. Uh, and he wasn't bad enough to think that, like, oh, my God, this guy is just not an NBA player. I just, 
you know, for a lottery pick and a great draft, he just does not look like the right guy. But, um, I, yeah, I really don't have too much else to say. I liked Mann when he was the draft pick. I watched three FSU games in the days right after the draft um, just to watch him and Fee, and I was really, really impressed by his tape. Did not see the handle or passing to this extent, uh, but Florida State's guards were just – yeah, his, Florida State's guards were just atrocious, uh, just prime chuckers who were undersized and super – if you like a, efficiency, uh, Steve, I think the four main FSU guards all shot under 40% from the field and under, like, 36% from three. So <laughs> not good at all. And these are the guys who Terrence and Fee were playing with in college. Um, you know, Fee has some, you know, most Bates, Charlie V tendencies. I think he'll be probably better, though. Most Both those guys certainly had, you know, perfectly fine NBA careers. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if, you know, the 25th pick in the draft, if you get Charlie V or most Bates, that's honestly not a bad outcome. Right. He has more upside defensively and, you know, due to his hustle. Uh, nobody else, I mean, I think Amir Coffey looked good. Uh, you know, he's the type of guy whose game will stand out in summer league, though, just because he's big and polished and athletic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it was good that they got him on a two-way. I think Kaiser Gates, who I mentioned a lot in my recaps, is just like a big wing who can shoot a lot of threes. That's always kind of valuable. Derek Walton, a very steady point guard, just a little undersized and without too much athleticism, so a very low ceiling. Um, those Both those guys would be fine on two-way deals as well. Um, yeah, that's that's probably it for Summer League. I mean, I watched every single Summer League game. I even went there to cover, and I just don't have more. <laughs> I even I even went there. Uh, <laughs> shout, shout out to David Michinu, who played well the last couple of games. Yeah, you know, shout out to Lucas's favorite Clipper of all time, David Michinu, Um who honestly, you know, is probably better than Bryce Johnson, who the Clippers picked in the first round. Uh, gosh. God, that was awful. Think about that. Like, that was only three years ago. Like, Bryce Johnson should would still be on this rookie deal, I think. Or it would have just Okay, 60s. Yeah, he would still be on his rookie deal if he was on the Clippers right now, which is wow. uh that they I totally forgot about Bryce Johnson. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Twenty was he twenty fifth in the draft? Man, that guy was good. That guy oh. so bad. I mean so he, bad. He played like eleven games for the Clippers in like three minutes a game or something, like you know, the late first is certainly, like, a hit or miss, but to get, like, 30 minutes out of your first-round draft pick uh, is – that is a really – And he had, he had, like, some good stats in Summer League, too, and people were kind of – His first Summer League, he looked really good, uh, um, which is yeah. a lesson to all you. <laughs> uh, but, God, that was such a miss. I mean, that's, again, like, you know, the latter Doc, you know, Clips Nation – Clips Nation, the latter Lob City years – uh, you know, they did not hit on any of those draft picks. And they didn't have good picks, but you got to, like, at least, you know, kind of scratch the board there a little bit. And the fact that they did not get anything from Bryce Johnson, probably won't get anything from Mishno, uh, you know, Diamond Stone, nothing. Um, you know, I guess they got some good minutes from Sundarius Stone all the past couple of years. Uh, you know, yeah. Jawan Evans had a few, you know, nice games his, his rookie year, two years. Yeah, Jawan. Get that deal somewhere, Jawan. Uh, he's he's on the Thunder. Um, oh, oh, is he? Yeah, he, they signed him at the very end of last year, and I think he, he was on their summer league roster. I don't know how he played, but, um, yeah, he, he's around. I hope somebody picks up Sindarius, who I think – Oh, man, they have – so they have they have Shea and Jawan Evans on that team. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and Jawan's going to be backing up. Shea, assuming Chris Paul also gets flipped. That's yeah, that would be incredible. That's fine. Clippers, 
Clippers Midwest. That's fun. Um, so send Blake back home too while we're at it. <laughs> the trade that I think was funniest is there was a trade I saw that would send Chris Paul to Detroit for Reggie Jackson and something oh else. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Those those two look like I don't know what exactly happened at the end of Lob City, but man, th- those those tempers were fiery in those Clipper that Clipper Rockets game. That they did not seem like yeah, I think honestly yeah. most I think each of them was cool with most other guys. Um, like I think they were both still fine with DJ and like Jamal and I think JJ Redick, I think they're both still friends with. So like all the main, right. but just the two of them were just, and obviously Paul and, and Austin Rivers are, you know, on the Rockets to get, we're on the Rockets together and, and I think we're fine with each other. So. Yeah. And um, our two, I think Rivers can't, is coming back for minimum. Yeah, he yeah. did. He took less money to go back there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think I really have, too much else to say um you know i'm just i wish the season were closer um yeah summer league is not great but it's something and now uh you know maybe the clippers make another couple small free agent signings and maybe they trade for iggy but it's gonna be a couple pretty quiet months uh yeah is there anything else you wanted to talk about steve any free agents out there you would kind of kind of eyeing for a vet minimum or you would not be angry at signing (laughs) let's bring back sean livingston yeah, I think I think there's a there's kind of a buzz around that, and Sean seems to think that he can he can still play uh, after kind of pondering retirement. That'd be fun for emotional purposes. It'd be fun for practical purposes. Uh, it'd I mean, be, he's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anybody substantially better than him. The guy I really want is Joakim Noah, uh, just both for hilarity purposes <laughs> with him and Pat Beverly, but also because he was legit really good last yeah, year. He was. Um, didn't, he, didn't he drop like 20 and 10 on us? Uh, yeah, he did. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's always risky to trust players on like truly awful teams that are playing for nothing. Uh, but he looked pretty good and just his, you know, him getting a ring would honestly be really cool. Um, so I would more than welcome him. I would also not say no to Cole Aldrich. <laughs> And Pablo Prigioni. I can't say Cole Aldridge without Pablo Prigioni immediately following. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have any. I mean, I'm, you know, I went to Michigan. I like Trey Burke. I think he's probably one of the better point guards out there right now, which, again, is a very low bar. I'm fine with Sean, man. It would be a nice bookend to his career. If he could win a ring with the Clippers, can you imagine? That, what, a, what a career that would be. Already is what a career, honestly. Yeah. But if he could end it with a ring with us and then retire, that would be... That'd be amazing. What a I think if Sean Livingston comes back, they have to get Ralph back to cover Sean one more time. Yeah, Ralph and Ralph accidentally sending that DM slash tweet saying that maybe he could come back, kind of opening the door. That that's that's fine. Oh yeah. So Steve, I guess one last like, what do you think the Clippers might do regarding their broadcast? So I, I hate to say anything, just because I don't, I, I don't have any insight into it at all and I don't follow it closely enough I mean the obvious one would seem to be Brian Siemens I I've always thought he was he was really 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 good he knows the team he knows the organization um but it feels a little bit like you know in the Balmer era that they'll go make you know they'll go try to identify somebody I don't know I don't know how it works anymore do you steal the guy from a different team who's the next up and comer. I mean, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know. You know, we've in LA, we've been so spoiled by, by uh, announcers working for a hundred years, you know, between <laughs> Vinny and, and uh, Chick Hearn and, and 
Miller with the Kings. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy history of announcers in LA. Nobody ever changes announcers. Right. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't have much of a feel for it. Um, I thought, uh, I mean, I, I haven't liked the, the way they've done the, the color commentary the last couple of years. So I'm almost more interested in what they might do there. Uh, but I think Siemens would do a solid job as the play-by-play. Yeah, I think we all kind of assumed he would be the default guy when Ralph went, left. I think all of us kind of had an idea that maybe he'd be coming back. Uh, he would be coming on as uh, as the, as the play-by-play guy. He also was in. He also was featured with Ralph a couple times over um, this season, and I felt like he held his own pretty well. So I. Uh, I don't know who the color guy would be at all. Like I have no clue. McGetty seems like he's out after after his uh yeah, his was, past. Actually he was he was doing stuff for the Clippers at Summer League. Was he? Oh yep. wow. He was oh, doing geez. interviews. Oh geez, that's surprising. Yeah, I and mean, I don't think it's gonna be him though, but yeah. um he was there. Uh I tend to agree with Steve. I think they're gonna try to make a splash. What exactly? I mean, I've seen Clippers fans talk about Doris Burke. I don't think you're that getting Doris Burke. Oh, please. That would be so great. It oh, would be gosh. great. Yeah. But I, I don't think you're getting her. Um, I mean, you know, Steve Ballmer could offer a bag to anybody, though. I mean, the dude right. is like, <laughs> right. so incredibly like, wealthy beyond my even comprehension. Yeah. It would uh, be a much, a much, much easier pitch than the Kawhi. It would just be a bag. Yeah, it's just for any of these guys. It's not like there's a salary cap or like, you know, it's just like here's a gigantic stack of money. <laughs> um, you know, I th- they were interested in Reggie Miller a couple years ago, which, blah. No, oh, please, no. I'm not into that at all. Huh. I think like, you know, maybe one of the Nets guys, like Ian Eagle or Ryan Rocco um, for the play-by-play. There are people out there. I would have loved Kara Lawson from the Wizards before she went to, you know, be an assistant coach on the Celtics. She was great. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually do think they'll probably try to make a splash. Whether they pull it off or not, I, I don't know. But I would actually be very surprised if both and possibly even one was from like the Clippers immediate, you know. How surprised would you guys be if Ralph actually came back? Very. Very, right? Steve? Yeah, he, I, he no, he can't do it. No. I mean, it just... He's I want him to retire. I want him to like enjoy his like time with his wife and you know I wouldn't mind if he did like a guest spot once in a while, but yeah. just yeah, just don't there's yeah. no need to come back. We had a whole thing and uh, I don't know. But if he came back, it's not like I'd be mad. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I would be very surprised if I think maybe like one or two guest spots, like, you know, that would be fine. Um I hope they have Bill Walton on once in a while. Just please. Uh, Bill, Bill will be at wondering where Shea went. Like, where <laughs> Zooey Baca is. Where Zooey Baca is right there. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I think I agree with Steve. I think they're going to try to make a splash. I assume we'll probably hear something about it in the next month or so. I mean, that could be Clippers news that comes out. Um, is something about that, but we'll see. It would not surprise me if they did an overhaul of a lot of the non-basketball sides of things. Um, broadcasting. You know, maybe they do some kind of uniform or, or brand redesign again a little bit um, for a new era. I'm not sure, but you know, I think they're they're really trying to go all out to make this like the best, most modern, you know, just overall advanced Clippers team. I think they're going to try to do a lot of things to get there. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll do it for this episode. Anything else you want to say, Steve, or say to anybody listening? 
Uh, nope, I'm good. I'm looking forward to the season, like you guys said. I mean, the the early July, the free agency is always interesting. Uh, and, you know, uh, this one, wow. Uh, but now we have to just wait so long. Uh, so it's gonna, that, that part's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be kind of a long haul. We'll try and have some more guests once in a while here and uh, here on the Love the Gem the podcast and just keep it interesting as much as we can. It's gonna be a long couple of months, you guys, but a lot to be excited about, uh, a lot to kind of look forward to. It's kind of a new a new Clipper era. We'll be we'll be back. I think me and Rob will still try and touch on uh, the season interview. We kind of got interrupted by other things. <laughs> But we'll probably talk about guards and forwards pretty soon, which will be nice because we'll be able to talk about the guys that are gone, like Danilo Gallinari and Shagulis Alexander, both of whom will have nice spots in our Clipper hearts. And that'll do it for this episode of Law of the Gen, the podcast. As always, uh, subscribe, give us a review on whatever you listen to us to. And of course, go Clippers!